1: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Danny, how about that Game of Thrones?
0: Whoa, blimey. I couldn't see a thing. <laughs> no, I could. I could. Just but... not downloading the right video if you can't see it. Well, I watched the compression it. Depression makes it muddy, so.
1: Yeah, I, I apparently people were having that with the streaming. Yeah, that, like everyone was trying to stream it at once, so it wasn't uh, streaming at the highest quality. The compression was an issue. I mean, I watched it in pitch darkness on my laptop, not yeah. aware of this controversy about it being too dark to see, and I didn't have a problem. But then yeah, I was neither. I was watching it in very low light conditions, so maybe that's just the way to go. Personally, I thought it was great. I have to say, going into it, I was not super hyped for yeah. the latest Game of Thrones episode... And then I sat down to watch it, and I was like, well, I hear there's going to be a battle in this one. Boy, was there a battle. Oh, Goodness blimey. me. That was one hell of a battle.
0: Yes, very exciting. I found it
1: very yeah. tense and intense, and I was exhausted by the end. I was watching it after having had about one hour's sleep um, the previous night because I had a, uh, deadlines to finish for my MA. Right. So I was, com- I was a bit dazed. You know, I wasn't did, really did. thinking straight, didn't have a full amount of human energy. And I was just immediately exhausted. I felt like the zombies were going to come out of the screen and kill I was, me. I was and I was say, just, just going to submit to them.
0: Do you think that made you just more relate to the characters more? He's like, you're tired. I Tell mean, me about it. I didn't
1: relate to them because of the amount of fight they were putting up against the zombies. <laughs> if there'd been like one of the guys in, the, in Winterfell who was just lying down in front of them and was like, take me, Night King. <laughs> I'm yours. Um, I think I, I, think I would have been like that guy.
0: Um, This is a good opportunity for me to tell you my Alfie Allen anecdote. Okay. Got some celeb gossip. Yeah, please do. One time, many years ago, I was interning at Ruby Films, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. It's called something else. But it's run by Alison Owen, who is a very respected and uh, successful film producer. She produced Elizabeth and uh, I think she produced Wild Rose. Okay. Most recently. A bunch of movies. The whole company's genius business plan is to make films that appeal to women. Uh, which is a demographic which is underserved but is also 51% of the population so if you get it right great Kaching, and, kaching. and one time and she's also the mother of Lily and Alfie Allen right one time I was like the sort of glorified secretary for a week and Alfie Allen called up and he was in a bit of a bad mood and he was like it's my mum there <coughs> and I was like I'll just check her line but she was busy she was in a meeting and I was like I'm terribly sorry Alfie Allen she's not available um, was that your she, Ruby Films Awards? yes <laughs> She like me to get her to call you back, and he's like, she can't call me where I'm while I'm right now. I was like, okay. He's like, just tell her like, thanks. And he hung up. Just say thanks. What was going on? Thanks. Thanks. It was a bit of a passive aggressive. So I had to send this emo like, He says thanks, <laughs> <laughs> in quotation marks. <laughs> Hi Alison, your son called. He says thanks. Yeah. God knows what that means.
1: So did you take it to be a thanks as in like, oh, thanks a lot. You've completely wrecked my life. I don't know. I I can tell
0: if his just manner was one that is easily interpreted as. Yeah. He was
1: like, you've done me a solid thanks.
0: (laughs) It's got a very menacing (laughs) sort of (laughs) just manner.
1: He sounds from this anecdote like he's much more kind of assertive and aggressive character than Theon Greyjoy.
0: Yeah. That's why he's a good actor.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have thought watching that show that he would be like the, how you described.
0: Also, I've got to say, he's, what I realised from s- speaking briefly to their mum, who's very well-to-do, uh, Al- Alfie and Lily Allen are such mockneeds. I mm. don't know where this accent comes from. They're just a couple of rich kids. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's more testament to his acting, you know? He's doing an accent. <laughs> yeah, <thanks>. Very <laughs> convincingly. a 24-hour performance of man who isn't obviously the son of two million hits.
1: Yeah. yeah, pretty cool yeah uh anyway danny so uh, when we're not talking about game of thrones television program uh what do we talk about on this podcast
0: we talk about uh how do i say this is what i've written we talk about the following so we mainly talk about the demonic serial killer sam foster who uh, at the start of the podcast is on an island being fanned by topless women and he's playing to murder... Being what? Fanned? Fanned, yeah. Yeah, okay. Fanned by uh, topless women. Yeah. And he plans to murder Sarah Lee, the lone survivor of his earlier murderous rampage. Meanwhile, uh, Lanelle, the lone survivor of the demonic serial killer Danny Moran's last rampage, is running his own hardware store. Lanelle then goes to buy a cookie from a nearby bakery, and as fate would have it, that is where Sarah Lee is working. The two then hit it off, and Sarah goes back with Linnell to his store. Moments later, Sam Foster bursts into the bakery and murders two people. Meanwhile, the evil Danny Moran has been unleashed once again. Bodies begin to pile up as Sam Foster carves a path of mayhem through the town. Mayhem? He brought. Well, when I when it's when it's Sam, yeah, it's, doing it, it's mayhem. It's mayhem. <laughs> uh, the only hope for Sarah and Linnell is to seek help from the Darcy Danny Moran. Sam Foster is seen at the end of the podcast, sitting on a rock, saying, and now that's the way the cookie crumbles. is what I would be saying if this was an adaptation of the classic crossover film, The Ginger Dead Man vs. Evil Bong, which combined the Ginger Dead franchise and Evil Bong uh, franchise, respectively. Uh, this is, in fact, just a podcast where we talk about and review films. I'm Danny Moran, and joining me, a man who wasn't created when his ashes were inadvertently combined with a gingerbread spice mix at a local bakery. Sam Foster. That's very silly, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Very silly. Uh, On this week's episode, we're reviewing the climactic, operatic, laser-filled Avengers Endgame, the conclusion to a 22-movie superhero saga. For some viewers, it was an intense emotional experience that made them cry so much they were hospitalized. For others, it was yet another soulless Disney cash grab slash toy advert that made them throw up so much they were also hospitalized. Danny and I were left with just one question. Why was Thanos killed by Arya Stark? she's not powerful enough and she's from a completely different franchise that is classic mary sue behavior outrageous we'll also be talking about ben affleck's latest argo-esque project and asking what the hell sony pictures has done to poor sonic the hedgehog all that should leave just enough time for me to announce film chat endgame the final episode in film chat's 1000 episode podcast saga coming out in about 2042 Film Chat Endgame will resolve everything we've ever said in hundreds upon hundreds of hours of podcasting, picking up on the smallest and most offhand references and bringing back the most obscure, muffled in-jokes. Every song lyric, every uh, cough and inaudible comment, all our dozens of problematic Woody Allen bits, every opinion about every film, you will have to know them all to even begin to make sense of Film Chat Endgame. Get note-taking now because you are in for an epic, bewildering audio extravaganza in about 20 to 25 years.
0: Sure. Do I have to do anything? Nah. a few years, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. First of all, they made him play Batman. Yeah, and that's a hard, that's a hard task. Well, that's dude. awful thing to happen to someone, isn't it? They oh, forced oh, him to play Batman. They made him work out, and then when he stopped working out, he got all, he got a bit chubby because you know your body starts atrophying. He's got that hideous phoenix tattoo on his back. He's going through a divorce. <laughs> someone made him get that. Someone made him get <laughs> that. <laughs> someone made him get a divorce. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. I don't know <laughs> who's, who's, <laughs> doing <this? laughs> who's doing this. Who's doing this? Who's making? Who's making all these things happen to him? It's awful. And he's probably thinking back to when his career was completely rehabilitated when he won uh, Best Picture for Argo. Yeah. Which seems years and years ago. Who did that? He's like, who did that? Who was that man? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be that man, not Batman. And um, <laughs> so he made another movie off that, Live by Night, which got pretty poorly received. And so, you know, his, the golden. He used to be the sort of up and coming, clean, squid tile, you know. A, actor-turned-director. His first three films were really well-received. And he's thinking, maybe you need to recapture some of that 2012 magic. And to do so, he has found a new film to direct and star in. It's going to be the true World War II story, Ghost Army. It's based on a book by Rick Baer. Well, based on a book, which is based on fact. It tells the tale of a group of American soldiers who were picked for their ingenuity and creativity and their ability to sort of... They're like Mysterio. They're just like good at doing uh, stunts and like smokes and mirrors. And they basically... Um, blew up fake tanks, uh, transmitted misleading radio transmissions just to sort of deceive the German forces into thinking there were troops where there weren't. Some sort of ultimate deception, Hollywood comes, you know, up good movie. Sounds very (laughs) like Argo in its sort of overall scheme. Um, And uh, yeah, Affleck is going to produce via his Pearl Street Films company. And of course, uh, he's currently on the Netflix on Triple Frontier. Don't know why I didn't leave with that. That's the end of this uh, news bit here. Triple Frontier, available to stream now. Have you watched Triple Frontier? No. No. No.
1: (laughs) Me neither. He recognizes that his real audience is people in Hollywood. Yes. And the reason that they didn't like his last few films is because they weren't about people in Hollywood doing cool stuff. That's true. So you need to court those people and make them look good if you want to have critical success. He really should be making a film about heroic film critics yes uh but you know he's he's doing he's doing the next best thing um
0: and i'm sorry and it's called it's
1: called ghost army ghost army yeah <laughs> it's pretty cool <laughs> i think like any title which is just two words that are separately cool just combined yeah as a good title
0: ghost army die hard you know whatever
1: maybe this is just you know, it's written by the nick pizzolato the um the true detective uh, writer and that's, the... that's that's got that's got the same thing those are two cool words aren't they true into detective i would say
0: yes He also wrote Magnificent Seven, which was terrible. But those are two cool words. Those are two cool (laughs) words. Seven, one of the coolest numbers. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Magnificent, pretty good.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, do you think Affleck's got it in him to turn out like a a good... I mean, like, I don't know if any any of his films have actually been that good, but some of them have been well-received.
0: I think Gone Baby Gone is probably the best of the three that I've seen. Yeah, Gone Baby Gone is pretty good. The town is kind of, like, slickly made, but a bit stupid. I'm finding the ending quite funny. And Argo did seem like the most sort of Academy pandering film, but it was also just quite quite well put together. I don't know. I feel you know. I just want him to do well. You know, mm-hmm. like he looks so sad. You want a, You want
1: a, You want a meme of Happy Affleck?
0: Happy Affleck. Yeah. They yeah. play. Uh, I don't know. What's um, the shiny
1: happy people. That <laughs> was he's, saying, he's, he's like, in an interview and.
0: What's the happiest uh, Simon and Garfunkel song? Like I feel groovy or something. Yeah, feeling <laughs> groovy.
1: <laughs> Yeah,
0: that'd be nice. That'd be nice for him when he.
1: Yeah, it's a bit like uh, you know when Keanu, that was that a uh, meme of Keanu Reeves eating the sandwich on the bench, looking really sad. Yeah, and now all the Keanu Reeves is a total badass, you know, because he's John Wick and everything. I don't I wouldn't say he's happy looking in those films, but he certainly looks like he's on the up. Yeah, so that's what Affleck needs.
0: Absolutely, he needs
1: a shot on the arm. He needs in the in the meme wars, uh, you know, he needs to strike a blow. Do you think this movie sounds a little bit like *Inglorious Bastards* as well, in that it's like films defeating the Nazis or something?
0: Yeah, I guess so.
1: Bit of an element of that to it.
0: I'm, I always think that's weird that the critics who are hostile towards *Inglorious Bastards*, like it's got the coolest film critic in any movie mm. ever. That's a yep. bit of a
1: bit of a like blow to my thesis about how uh, film people just like films that are about them.
0: Yeah, but it's like tar- but people they hate Tarantino, so it's a real you know. It's a tough oh, one. That. It's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Archie Hickox is the coolest film critic character in a movie. They're usually just snooty men. It's like... I mean, yeah,
1: he's a snooty man, but he's also a badass spy.
0: Yeah. So how could you be hating on your own profession by <laughs> in that movie? I don't know.
1: Oh, I, I mean, I regard Ben Affleck as a bit of a sort of a meh kind of person, both in, on screen and behind the camera.
0: I hope his tattoo uh. is a metaphor for his career. You know, because he's got a big phoenix tattoo. And mm-hmm. Now the ashes of the debacle of playing Batman, You shall rise again. Well, he's reborn. already kind of had
1: that phoenix experience, hasn't he? Because he was a bit down after being Daredevil, and then uh, and then he was up again, and uh, then he was down after being Batman. Yeah. Now he's he's going to be up again. He's going to have another good career, and then he's going to put another superhero. Oh, why well, play with... the Green Lantern? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's Secular. It's yeah. Yeah. He it's... needs what he needs is he needs a uh, snake eating its own tail tattoo. He
0: needs an auroboros. He needs
1: an auroboros. <laughs> yeah. That's the official film chat advice to Ben Affleck. Oh, another um, agony Aunt's corner for film chat. After we've dealt with what, to do, what should Ben Affleck do with his life. Um, what should Sony Pictures do with Sonic the Hedgehog? Say so they're making the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which has been in the works for a while. They released some teaser posters for it. And they got ripped online for the bizarre appearance of Sonic. And now they've released a full trailer for the new Sonic the Hedgehog film. And they've been ripped online for the appearance of Sonic, which they did not change based on the posters. Have you seen the trailer? Yes. What was your reaction to the appearance of Sonic in this trailer?
0: Well, to be honest, well, I didn't really follow Sonic back in the nineties. or Yeah, anything. so you
1: don't you don't have like a really strong mental image of what Sonic should look like.
0: Yeah, I like. I think the movie's pretty weird as it is. <laughs> like, I'm not sure <laughs> if making Sonic look any different is going to, like, drastically change just the fundamental weirdness of the premise. Yeah, so as
1: someone who's, like, not into Sonic, what was your main kind of response?
0: I was like, Jim Carrey's really, like... He's doing he's it. He's really, like, gone to 11 on this one. Yeah. And I was also amused that James Marsden, having appeared in the film Hop several years ago, is, like, in another <laughs> film, like a sort of CGI woodland creature... <laughs> Somebody, like, on Twitter, like, did a screenshot of the trailer of Hop and uh, Sonic, where he's just in the car next to a CGI person. <laughs> it's like, if we didn't learn from the past, we're doomed to repeat it. It's like... Very strange. Poor James Marsden. Um, I don't know. Are you, are you a big Sonic fan? I'm not, I am
1: not. wouldn't say I'm a huge fan, but I can definitely see why people find the new Sonic the Hedgehog weird. I mean, the comparison that people were making was... to He looks like he's wearing a Sonic onesie. Just like... A, he's like a child who's put on a Sonic onesie. Yeah. Like... It's maybe the body shape version of the uncanny valley, you know, where it's somewhere between a human body and a cartoon body, but it's uncomfortably, you know, too much like one and the other. Yeah, like he's got the proportions of a human, and he's got like you know proper human hands and human teeth, uh, but it's combined with like slightly oddly oversized eyes and stuff. It's a bit like you know when. Pixar was doing The Incredibles, and they felt like they didn't—animation like, couldn't quite do realistic-looking people yet. So they deliberately did them as cartoonish people to avoid that problem. I feel like that's what they should have done a bit more with Sonic. You know, I mean, they've already established that he's from a different world in the trailer. He's like, "I've come from my world to save yours," or he has some line like that. So why not just, why not make it a sort of Who Frame was a rabbit type thing, but with a CGI character? Yeah,
0: I mean, that makes more sense.
1: They've, they've gone for a photorealistic, co- like, cartoon. It's like, it looks like a, the, the same approach that Disney took to, like, The Lion King and the Jungle Book, but with an animal that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's very, it is very weird. And there's some people um, online have uh, redone frames from the trailer to look more like how they think Sonic the Hedgehog should look quite successfully. They're basically just giving him like much, much bigger eyes and like a sort of squatter body with like different proportions so he doesn't look so much like a human and it does make, you know, quite a big difference. This is
0: the teacher of filmmaking, you just release a trailer and just let it sort of crowdsource into... Crowdsource the, <laughs> the feedback. <laughs> yeah. And then I mean uh, it is
1: quite funny that like um, you know, fan backlash has been su- I mean, so this is this is what they've done now. So uh just yesterday they the director announced that they were they heard the criticism Um, and they were going to change it so uh, the director jeff fowler tweeted the message is loud and clear you aren't happy with the design and you want changes it's going to happen everyone at paramount and sega are fully committed to making this character the best he can be sorry i said it was sony earlier didn't I? but i think it's paramount but yeah um wow so they just got so they got so ratioed that um, that they've changed the entire film this film's coming out in november so they will dramatically redesign the main character to look different.
0: These poor VFX artists who have already slaved away making that film.
1: Yeah. Well, oh. I saw I saw someone tweet like, "Um, uh, it wouldn't—they wouldn't be surprised if this was something that like had been fed upstairs by the actual artists themselves, loads." And they were like, "This is fucking weird. People are gonna hate <laughs> this." And they were told, "No, you got to do it. <laughs> You're working overtime to get the trailer ready and everything." And then, yeah, yeah.
0: Don't you say. So. Don't you it. Was fucking weird?
1: Very weird. Do you? Can you imagine? Um, enjoying a, a film about, you know, this incredibly fast blue animal sure. running, running about.
0: I mean, the whole premise of like, I'm from a different world here to save you. That's like loads and loads of movies of that. It's mm-hmm. just got a bit of a bit more kind of corporate cynicism, I guess, going in. Cause it's like,
1: I guess like Sonic is one of the more sort of, I mean, it's a slightly abstract game. It doesn't really have a fully realized world or something. It's, yeah. You know, he's just a dude who's one, it's got this vaguely ecological message which hopefully the movie will replicate in some yeah. way, but um, but yeah, it doesn't exactly have a fully realised sort of, world. I'm struggling
0: yeah. to think of examples, but I swear a thing where it's like it's an alien, but he becomes like a sort of 90s dude very quickly. <coughs> I'd <Like, laughs> turn up, right. but I'm into Ray-Bans. And Space sort
1: of Jam like, or something? Or, yeah. Is it like, like that? Yeah.
0: Or ALF or whatever, you know, it's like, I'm an alien, but I just become like a sort of stone guy instantly. Howard the Duck? Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, And all those movies were great. and <laughs> So therefore, this will also be a hit. Yeah. And, you know, Jim Carrey is back doing his thing. He's in the 90s, isn't he? He's like, this movie is like a very 90s movie. I need my 90s Jim Carreyness to come back. So despite being incredibly weird now, he shaved off his big beard. He stopped talking about, you know, free will and choice and how he's possessed by the spirit of Andy Kaufman. He's like, just give me that 20 million paycheck and I'll pretend it's 994. I'll just do my thing.
1: Just let me loose on the set as I kind of do all my funny expressions and movements. Sure, why not? I mean, he's good at that stuff. He's great, that's what he he's He can best pull at. a great funny face and everything. Yeah. Yeah, so fully behind that. We'll keep you updated with every change to Sonic's appearance on future episodes of Film Chat. Sam and Danny both watched a film and they decided to record a few opinions on the things they saw. You're going to hear them in a moment or so. There could be angry disagreements, but their views are normally quite close. Let's <laughs> review. shared between two podcast brothers. Do they love one another? Alright, do they interrupt each other the are in so let the begin Start talking now all right say so review of what will almost certainly be the biggest film of the year Avengers Endgame well I don't know maybe Star Wars the next Star Wars film is going to be bigger I doubt it probably not it's made an insane <laughs> amount of money it's absolutely world conquering our opinions have never been less relevant <laughs> Uh, but we are going to provide them to you. So, Maybe we can
0: change the title on this.
1: I mean, it's, it's. Uh, I don't know if there's a huge amount of point, even doing applause on us, <laughs> because it's like, either you sort of have seen Infinity War, and you know the setup, or, you know, you haven't, and this is going to be totally incomprehensible, but, um, every single Marvel uh, movie is coming to a conclusion with uh, Avengers Endgame to date, so it's like 11, 11 years of films, and this is follows on directly from the uh, cliffhanger at the end of Infinity War, in which, spoiler if you haven't seen Infinity War, uh, the villain Thanos got his plan together, uh, melted and dusted half of all life in the universe, and now the rest of the Avengers are left to pick up the pieces. Got Iron Man, he's hanging out in space, uh, and then the rest of the Avengers are, are stuck on Earth trying to see what to do. And then early on in the film, Captain Marvel turns up um, from Captain Marvel, the previous film, and uh, leads them on the sort of expedition uh, to uh, recover the stones from Thanos and uh, take them out once and for all.
0: He used the stones again. Hey, We'd be going in short-handed, you know? Look, he's still got the stones, so. So let's get him. Use them to bring everyone back. Just like that? Yeah, just like that. Even if there's a,
1: a small chance that we can undo this, I mean, we owe it to everyone who's not in this room to try.
0: If we do this, how do we know it's going to end any differently than it did before? Because before, you didn't have me. Hey, new girl. Everybody in this room is about that superhero life. And if you don't mind my asking, where the hell have you been all this time? There are a lot of other planets
1: in the universe. And unfortunately, they didn't have you guys.
0: I like this one. Let's go get this son of a bitch.
1: It's probably safe to say that your reaction to this film is uh, colored by how you feel about the Marvel franchise in general. Do you think that's a reasonable? Absolutely, yeah it doesn't like obviously doesn't work as a standalone thing it's both a direct sequel to a previous film so it's more tied to one previous marvel film than any of their other movies are um as well as tying up this longer franchise which basically means that it's tying up the um the overarching stories of uh, captain america and iron man who are probably the two main you know most prominent characters in the marvel universe um and uh, so, from, from that perspective, I mean, there are very few more kind of your mileage may vary type movies. But I guess, I guess my uh, I I enjoyed it thoroughly. I've seen it twice now, so I spent six hours of my life watching this You've one seen it film. Twice, yeah, I saw it yesterday. Oh my god! <laughs> well, I went with someone who hadn't seen it, um, and uh, uh, and I, I really liked it. I mean, it's a very it's a very hard film to judge in a way, but it is uh, it is essentially unique. Like, it is a completely bizarre uh, cultural product and it's a real cultural event i think and i mean i saw someone someone responded to it on twitter by saying that like they weren't like super into the marvel movies that much but they went to see it at like a packed screening and um they were kind of swept up in the enthusiasm of the crowd like everybody was whooping at certain points like you know you could really feel that people were like incredibly into it and all the different moments landed and i've I've heard this movie described as being um incredibly fan servicey but i think like a lot of like sometimes fan service is just kind of um, like cheaply giving people things like, you know, whatever the bloggers have romanticized about, or like, you know, sure. if you, if you've read loads of posts online, they'd be like, oh, I would love this pair to get together or like go on a mission together. And it would be so cool. I mean, that's one kind of fan service, but I think just rewarding people for uh, having paid attention in ways that, you know, that like that that creates certain dramatic moments is just, you know, just good storytelling in certain ways. And I, and I think like, a lot of those decisions and moments were very, very well handled. It's kind of the the, the the a lot of the success of of it comes out of the attitude of the filmmakers, which is to take the characters very seriously in a way. I mean, I, this is pretty much what I said about Infinity War, so you could just go back and listen to that. But it's like you know, a lot of the motivations for this, the reason this film exists, are entirely corporate. You know, you bung all these franchises into a one. Uh, in, into like one mega franchise in order to make mega bucks, but the only reason it make it works at all or makes any sense at all is because the filmmakers and writers themselves take the characters very seriously yeah and it 's full of deft little touches and like sort of a kind of psychological believability in terms of the way the characters behave and interact with each other that I just find very satisfying and on what, when I was watching it a second time the the things that really stood out to me as good were all those little moments that the film takes its time to sell to you there are some bits of it which i mean there's so much going on in it it's like it is completely overstuffed and ridiculous um but it takes its time at certain points like it chooses its moments to to like dwell upon and to like sell certain things and i think uh the actors and the writing do a really good job of selling those individual moments so that if you're at all invested in you know and who these characters are and where they end up and what their fates are then you buy it and they as a franchise generally i think they've they've made a decision to put those types of things first and then like stuff like uh you know the action has always come rather secondary to it and so this this movie has another, is another like insane light show of like CGI madness, uh, which doesn't have a lot of like heft and weight to it, but is sort of bewildering, (laughs) you know, it's but it, but the, the bits, the, the the ways in which you're exciting are intended to be because like, because of what the characters are doing, if that makes sense, rather than being like incredible stunts or whatever. I, I found it quite witty, thought it had a lot of laughs in it. Um, and, uh, I, I was satisfied by the way that they, uh, tied things up. Um, and I thought they sort of sold it all rather well. So say, say yeah. I liked it, but you didn't like cool.
0: it. Well, I mean
1: You know, I got to go first, so now you seem like the naysayer as if you'd gone first, I don't wanna you, like, you would have dunked on it and I'm, then I would have been like embarrassed. To I'm you.
0: like that woman who was like, uh, when do I should go see Black Panther, I wanna ruin the black joy? I'm like, when do I go see Endgame I wanna ruin the sad virgin joy? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's a lot of. This, I think it's just you know it's the most marvelous Marvel movie, which I think is kind of a curious thing when people say it's a Marvel. It's like it's like a Marvel film. Like that's not a compliment. A lot of the times I feel a lot of the, when Black Panther came out, it's like it's got you know this great uh, kind of tone to it. It's got really interesting characters, but it's a Marvel film. Yeah, yeah. And like so, I don't understand. I was like, oh, the Marvel film's coming out. I was like, is that, is that good? And I think it's basically has all the problems, but it's exacerbated by a very bloated running time. And I think just the general Thanos Stone storyline is uh problematic. It just makes things dramatically a bit inert because of the sort of I can do anything glove. I found it kinda hard to get invested in the first half of the story when people like mourning the characters are lost. Cause I was like, they're obviously gonna come back. Like everyone knows that. We've seen the trailers for the next movie. It's so implied I don't know, like, I can't really get that involved in Captain America mourning somebody else. It's like, they're going to be back. Don't worry, their contract hasn't run out. And so it kind of puts me at a bit of a distance from the characters. I also, uh, I know, I mean, just to completely disagree with what you said, I think, like, the writing <laughs> is, like, I think it's the worst Avengers movie. I think it's the least funny. I found a lot of the jokes fell flat. It remind me a bit of an Adam McKay movie where, like, the pacing's a bit off. And, like, it runs a bit too long, some of the jokes. And I found the characterization of Thor uh, bad. I think he's been pushed into, like, overt comedic territory in a way which is very broad and not that funny. And I was very disappointed in that because I think he's the best one. I always like Hemsworth in these movies. And also, the movie it reminded me the most was, like, Ready Player One, where at the end, like, every character is just reduced to, like, they might as well just be cardboard cutouts. They're kind of robbed of their internal lives a bit. And it's like, oh, it's character name from movie. They don't do anything. They're just there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so and it's so long. <laughs> it's like real, like people talk. I think it's it's going to be referred to as like the new return of the king in terms of like endings. So many endings. I have heard that uh, comparison. Um, And I just uh, I don't know. It's just also kind of sexist, I would say. It's kind of fanservicey, but like everything they did to the characters was bad. I would say, like, I didn't really enjoy the resolution of uh, I don't know. Also, the, the plot is very convoluted. And can we say what it involves? Is that spoilery? I don't well, know. we can
1: get. I don't know. I mean, maybe people don't want to know what it involves, but we can we can do a spoiler yeah. section, which I would say all this.
0: You know, the the mission they go on. There's a lot of explaining it. Like, in a way which uh, is not dramatically interesting. One of them is just, like, a long conversation about sort of outcomes. It's, you know, it's a lot of a guy with a stick on the ground doing circles and crosses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. And I found that a bit dull. So, but, you know, I wasn't a fan going in. But I'm not a fan because the movie's are not that good. So, really, I've won this argument. Yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah, <laughs> fair
0: enough. <laughs> um, Yeah.
1: Alright, should we should we have oh, a sorry no, a go positive?
0: Ahead. I would say it is carried for the most part by a very impressive cast that do like wonders with a lot of uh personally, some slight <laughs> ropey material. I think Robin Downey Jr. kinda of carries the whole thing. He's great. I thought and he I was really good in it. Karen Gillen just basically, through Herculean strength, makes her character really good, even though uh, like she has to be like in contrary positions all the time. She's so conflicted and there's like loads of her. And I don't know. I thought she was brilliant. Yeah, she's um, good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought Paul Rudd was doing a bit too much mugging.
1: I agree with that. I agree that Paul Rudd was laying on the mugging too thick.
0: But he had been directed that way. I
1: don't know. Well, there was a, there's a bit where he has to be really sad and then really happy at the same time. And I was like, I'm not sure Paul Rudd can manage it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like... These, I mean, these movies must be shot in this insanely bitty way against a million different like sound stages. Yeah, yeah. So it must be quite hard when they have to sell really intense emotional moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially if you're a secondary character who's not, you know, like a lot of it has to have happened off screen, basically. Um, I have one thing that I wanted to mention. So this is something that I was thinking about watching this, watching this back, and like, you know, like people complain about the sort of televisual look of Marvel films. Yeah. Do you? think life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com i think that is partly down to this like decision to shoot things in like very uh shallow focuses there's a lot of like Something, I don't know if this is just me overthinking it and it's not. this is not really unique to Marvel films. So I feel like there's loads of scenes set in normal places which have like it ridiculously over-blurred backgrounds, which just makes you feel like they've shot everything on a, like front of a green screen, you know? Yeah. Like when they're like out in the woods or they're just in an office or something, it's like you can see the actors' faces and maybe their bodies, but basically everything else behind them is really blurry and it just makes it all seem like they're not in a real place. I don't know if that's supposed to like... Makes it easier to blend in with the bits where they are actually against entirely CGI backgrounds, but yeah, I don't know. The Marvel, I mean, I, I watched Avengers Endgame the same week that I saw the game, the epic Game of Thrones episode, yeah, which are both you know astonishing spectacles that have had a million people working a million hours to uh, <laughs> uh, to to realise them. And game of, that Game of Thrones episode is much better looking. I know people said it was too dark, but it's yeah. like you know, and it's less ambitious in in a number of visual ways, but yeah, it's yeah. like. The Marvel thing is just like bonkers in terms of the amount of, you know, CGI drawing that you were watching essentially a semi cartoon It's basically like who framed Roger Rabbit. But, you know, the blockbuster version, Um, whereas uh, uh, the Game of Thrones thing, which is also drenched in CGI basically throughout the entire episode, but somehow felt a lot more like sort of grounded, grounded and real. Yeah yeah um and i don't know i don't know exactly what like even when you're just watching them sit around talking and in a way that shouldn't require loads of cgi it sort of feels like i'm still watching a cartoon do you know what i mean
0: yeah i mean that i think that's my main complaint is like it's a comic movie that's too much comic book and not enough movie Mm. for me personally both in the sort of like color palette and stuff but just in the general slight um bendiness of the worlds the rules of the worlds but in the movie i wasn't quite sure who was permanently dead like at the end
1: really I thought it was pretty.
0: I was like pretty clear, <laughs> and I was like, so, so, like, nope. And it's like, oh, so he's actually dead, you know, like, because there's a lot. The body count was, uh, you know, of a certain thing at the end of Endgame, uh, sorry, Infinity War, and then, you know, obviously they've got a few movies coming out, so you know, someone come back, and then yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, but that guy actually died. Like, he can't come back. What are the rules? You know what I mean? Like, it's all basically magic and science. Is I don't know. If I thought was it was pretty movie-
1: clear who was alive and who was dead and why, but.
0: I'm not, I'm not paying attention enough. <laughs>
1: should, we, should we have a quick uh, spoiler sure, chat about sure, this? Sure, sure. If you have not seen Avengers Endgame, the conversation about it takes up essentially the entirety of the rest of this episode. So uh, we got about 20 minutes of a spoiler filled review. And then there's a little musical theme that I did. That's very spoiler heavy for Avengers Endgame as well. So I recommend continuing to listen from this point onwards only. If you have seen the film or you don't care about what happens in it, but you still want to hear us talk about it for whatever reason, if you just want to hear the sort of song that I did, you can skip ahead to around minute 54. Otherwise, don't bother. Turn this off.
0: Spoiler alert. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. Watch out spoilers oh Careful, spoiler alert. Spoilers.
1: All right, spoiler territory now. So uh, a couple of things uh, to discuss First of all, let's talk about the things that people said were sort of problematic. Both of which you raised. Firstly, Fat Thor. So when we when we find Thor, he's put on loads of weight and he's kind of uh, like a sort of depressed uh, mess, and he's just a, just a gamer now. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, and he's it's a very sort of like broad uh, comedic thing where he's got this like giant beard and he's like beer swelling and stuff. Um, well, I will I will say why I enjoyed it. <laughs> I liked the fact that. I mean, in general, I'm quite happy for them to lean into uh, comedic Thor. I I think Chris Hemsworth is a great comic actor, and it feels like a way to sort of, uh, like constantly give these people who have been in a million movies new stuff to do. Right. I mean, Downey Jr. and uh, Chris Evans are doing kind of the same stuff that they've been doing in their previous films, and Thor is the kind of third main Avenger, I guess. And so, you know, I thought it was kind of nice to give him one shit, like they gave him something sort of fresh to deal with, and he sort of. I felt that he he rose to his like ridiculous uh, drunken character quite effectively, and I just find him very funny. I mean, I thought he you know just amused me his antics. Um, and the thing that I liked about it, although people said it was like fat shaming and stuff, which I do I do understand. I don't like dismiss that. But the fact that by the end of the film, when he's kind of gone in this like psychological, or they say the climax of the film, he's gone in this kind of you know journey in the movie, and he's sort of rediscovered his. Uh, uh, mojo a little yeah. bit after having this discussion with his mum, um he doesn't like sort of magic himself back to extraordinary fitness he's still kind of like dad bod uh yeah. thor but he gets to be like a sort of badass in that new you know character and the the way that the movie ends it is a bit like he's much more comfortable with himself now and he sort of knows who he is and he's a bit like i am this kind of like clownish figure and that's totally fine and i've got my gut and i'm just gonna go off and do that And it's, it even kind of makes sense with him as this sort of like Norse character, you know, where he's like some sort of beer swilling Viking dude now. Um, And, uh, you know, he's, he, his body shame now resembles Anthony Hopkins. Um, And uh, I kind of, you know, I was like, I think, I think that, I think if they had made it say that there was this direct equivalence between being overweight and being lame and being like you know, fit and being heroic, then that, that is obviously a bit of a problem. But I think the fact that they sell him as a hero at the end, even with his belly, kind it's of makes up ma- makes up for it a bit. That was my view. I thought it looked pretty cool with his big braided beard and everything.
0: Yeah, I just I just didn't find it funny, to be honest with you. I thought, like, uh, Thor Ragnarok, like Chris Hensworth and Taika Waititi and whoever wrote that or, you know, whoever was in part of that sort of retooling of the character, did, like, a great job of, like, striking this tone of somehow a sincere and also parodic version of Thor. Yeah, yeah. And it's a bit like, what happens when you get writers who aren't funny to, like, (laughs) do that? And it's like, what if he's got a big beard and he's fat? And I just thought it was just kind of lame. Also, I thought that scene was, I don't know, we were, like, 90 minutes into the movie is, like, the crucial scene where, like, we tell Thor to go to a meeting. And I was like, come on, movie, pick up the pace. Yeah, I don't know. I just found that note too by like, broad he's like he's much funnier in the other movies without a beard and a false belly i mean like what, what, what's gonna happen next like he shits himself or something you know like well, that's a slippery scale towards really, really like lowest common denominator humor one man's opinion
1: fair enough um sorry this is a checklist we gotta get we gotta get we gotta keep going here see uh the issue yeah. you know the, the, wi- the, one, the woman. first
0: issue. of all why are they in this film <laughs> secondly if they're going to be in this film they better be empowered yeah not so, like powers but superpowers i mean empowered in a sort of you know all-encompassing in sense in a feminist sense yeah
1: so um this is i've, I've had two kind of criticism well this is the main the main criticism is probably the achievement of black widow the fact that like black widow dies in this movie in yeah. exactly the same way that Gamora died in the previous film yeah and black widow is the only female avenger yeah, uh, and then so by the end, there's no, none left because she died halfway through the film, um, and then they kind of—it almost feels like they were aware that people wouldn't like this, so they put in this gratuitous, some may say, uh, you know, slightly contrived kind of all the women together shot, yeah, uh, which did feel a little bit like, you know, it was nineties girl power. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was doing it <laughs> like there's something themselves. a bit there's something a bit silly about it because it was a bit like. You know, we we've heard your criticisms, and don't worry. There is loads of women in Marvel movies. Look at all these very minor characters in one shot. Yeah. Um. Say, so I agree that that was a bit silly. I would say that the the only um, I I as I was watching it, I didn't I didn't mind too much about the the Black Widow death. I think like I think maybe this is partly because I feel like Black Widow has always been terribly sidelined in all these films. Always been a bit of an afterthought, and especially in the first few movies that she was in, like very sexualized. Yeah. Um, in Iron Man two, particularly so, and then also in uh, the first couple of Avengers movies, I think, where she's got this kind of like coquettish, you know, yeah. sexy manner. Um, and uh, it was in the sort of Russo brothers movies that that when she's treated as a bit more of you know, doesn't she has huge amount to do dramatically, but it felt like she was just treated in a slightly more you know, uh, just like us, you know, another one of the fighters or whatever, like sure. a proper person rather than someone to just be leered at. Um, and so just seeing her like have some kind of a dramatic role in this movie where she gets to actually do something, even if the thing that she's doing is sacrificing herself felt better in a way, you know, like, and it wasn't, it also wasn't, I mean, I sort of described as like a fridging, you know, like the, the trope of uh, women, um, who get gratuitously, um, killed off in order to uh, motivate men. But I didn't think that this was done in order to motivate a man necessarily. Like it didn't really mean that it wasn't about the men's reactions to it, it felt like a you know yeah. which weren't that important It's like not; they would have changed what they'd done later it wasn't like agent coulson's death in the first avengers movie or something yeah yeah um so but uh, you know but i can certainly see that it bothered people
0: well in infinity the war there was like i mean all the violence is kind of silly cartoonish People, you know, slam into buildings and get up or whatever. Yeah, yeah, But the yeah. nastiest violence is, like, Nebula being tortured, which happens in both movies. Yes. It's, like... And then also, uh, Gamora's death is, like, an actual... You're supposed to... It's, like, kind of a stabbing. It's kind of, like, really horrible. It's, like, the nastiest bit of violence in that otherwise silly laser show movie. Mm. And this is, like, exactly the same. And it's just, like... It feels a bit tone deaf. Like, I don't know. It's, like... uh uh, Tony Stark got a cool hero's death, and uh, she just, like, dropped down a well, <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: like... Yeah, but she had to fight to to drop down that well. Oh,
0: that's bullshit. I, mean, <laughs> I feel like the whole audience is like, why isn't Hawkeye dying? It's, Absolutely. Like, boring, like... I mean, I did think
1: Hawkeye was going to die because he's, like, a shit character. And yeah. also Jeremy Renner is... In, a, in an otherwise very charismatically cast Marvel universe, Jeremy Renner is a fucking... It's boring. Sort of dead weight it's boring I also think like it was something that really stood out to me on a second watch as well is how little his character like is you know, it just it doesn't mean anything it's like his whole family dies he becomes this like crazed assassin and then he's just not because the movie hasn't got anything to do with that yeah. you know after he has one scene where he's like kills a bunch of Yakuza uh, and then it's not important <laughs> he's just normal again but he has this like the haircut of a man who's been through some
0: shit I've been oh I've been some <laughs> stuff man
1: yeah so that was a little bit silly
0: Silly. And where was Cat Dennings?
1: Where the fuck was Cat Dennings? And where was Stellan Skarsgård? Also, what? You know we... what we can't say, though, was where was Marissa Tomei because she was in the film.
0: She's yeah, at Tony's funeral. Yeah. I know we can talk about the time travel thing a bit. Right? Yeah, the time travel, yeah. But, like, going back to the first Avengers movie, I was like, oh, this is, you know, I'm a big. My nerdy thing is, like, Doctor Who. I'm like, I am to this weird time travel crossing the time string stuff. Yeah. I was like, why are we returning to Thor to the Dark World, for this important scene with... Who is that? Like, Randy Russo, you were in these films? I feel like just like, don't... You know, you got away with that one. It's a terrible film that made money. Don't <laughs> go back liked, and remind I kind people. of liked
1: that. I like that they returned to this random film in the universe, you know?
0: And, uh... I don't know. I just found that very silly, but I don't know.
1: I thought all those, like... I mean, that particular encounter, you know, it's one of those things where they've there's these like a million strands that they're kind of touching on in the film, but they haven't really been dramatically sold, so it's not really that important. Like Black Widow's sort of redemptive arc from, you know, uh, cold blooded assassin to hero is kind of in there somewhere, but you don't really feel that it's yeah, you know. And I think the same thing is true of like you know, Thor's relationship with his mum or something like that, which is like, okay, I'm sure that's an issue, but really? or or even like Captain America and Bucky, things like that. Which are never really properly solved because there's just too many things to do at once. Yeah, yeah. But I did think that um a lot of those little moments from revisiting the films. I mean, when I initially I mean, I heard these rumors that there was gonna be time travel in the movie and they were gonna go back to past um past um Marvel uh films for time travel, and I was like, This is shit. It's gonna be like nostalgia, my the thing I hate. Um But uh but in but in the end I I thought like I thought all of those individual sequences were quite um were actually pretty well done. Uh and the Tony meeting his dad and having a sort of conversation with him I thought was really well done. Like the slattery, uh, Downey Jr. interactions, they they make sense. You know, they they sort of have a yeah. similar kind of air to them. And I thought that was quite um uh, quite well handled.
0: That amused me a lot when he was like, Wait a second, there's just a key- i could just go uh, further back in time and it's just like lying in a box somewhere, we don't have to do this elaborate heist thing. <laughs> I <was> like, okay. <laughs> movie's an excuse for itself
1: no no that actually makes sense they have because they only have a certain amount of the time travel particles sorry they only have a certain amount of the time travel particles so yeah. they have to go they have to split them up evenly so that you know if they have all of them in one place at one time in new york there's three of the stones at once yeah so that's why they go back there so they can retrieve them as But everyone team. can make a round trip everyone can make one round trip So
0: why doesn't like one guy go to where it's very easy to get
1: <laughs> well because uh <laughs> you know i guess it made, made sense for them to be in teams rather than to split up you know better chance of success
0: it's like it would take three people to do a highly complicated thing instead of one person to do an incredibly simple thing
1: i don't think it's that i mean what they do is not terribly complicated but anyway um yeah i just thought i thought all of those all of these things were, were quite nicely handled a lot of nice little, lot of nice little touches. I think that, I don't know. I thought it was, qu- I thought it was quite funny. I know you didn't think it was very funny, but
0: the one bit that really made me laugh was when Scarlet Witch turns up. And is like, I'm here to kill you, ever. And Thanos <laughs> is like, I don't know who you are, because it's like some time travel thing. But then she's like, He's you an will. Reality, Thanos. But it's like I was too busy laughing at like Thanos <laughs> like, who the hell are you? <laughs> Which is kind of my reaction is like Scarlet Witch constantly vengefully uh, raffle about some dude who's died in her life. What a terrible character.
1: The um <laughs> the moment that I found that, that made me laugh, um, I think unintentionally was uh, uh, Captain America, old old man Evans, when, <laughs> when um Falcon is like, do you want to tell me about her? And he's like, No, I don't think I will. <laughs> it's like, why not? I mean, what else are you doing? It's not like you're gonna go like are you about to just you know die right on that bench or like aren't you yeah. just around now? Wouldn't it make sense for you guys to catch up about the previous, like, you know, 70 years or, or however long you've uh, you travelled back in time for? Um did like yeah. that.
0: That's another thing I really didn't like. Captain America's... The erasure of Peggy Carter's former life.
1: Well, it's actually... He'd like doesn't like, really erase it because it's just an alternate her. reality.
0: Well, I think it's shitter that he's in it. Like, you know, he got you know, she's living his full life, he just turns up again. Rubbish. I think... I think that was a bad move on the movie's part. I think that was another slightly bullshit thing
1: well, it's, I mean, you know, I get that it's not like uh i mean Peg- Peggy Carter doesn't have that much going on anyway, you know it's not like she's like a great female character anyway i don't really I don't really well, see you that obviously it's like,
0: never watched agent Carter seasons one and two.
1: well, it doesn't do anything to agent Carter seasons one and two you know I mean in the world of the movies uh Peggy Carter has always been a kind of adjunct to uh is he going to
0: meet the you know the great niece he makes out with? It's That's like, pretty weird. You know, he goes to the fucking Christmas made out with it's your like, with your relative. Yeah, yeah. Thank God I went back in time. I probably would have banged it by now.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is kind of odd. But it was a nice way to the me for the movie to end. I thought after that, like you know, slightly ropey um, old man America scene. <sighs> uh, um, uh, I thought ending on that the note of the dance was quite nice, and the way that the jazz music played over the end credits, I was like. You know, makes a nice change in the crazy bombast of you know, where these credits usually go. Yeah,
0: I think that's just a sort of cheap trick to make people think it's a real movie. It's like we put, we you know, put some jazz at the end. So but like, really I don't. Think it doesn't
1: make it. sense to me. For it's like that. That doesn't. That's a genre of critique that makes no sense. Like a trick to make you think that it's a real film.
0: You no, know, I'm just like this moment. Like, I don't know. I just find it very cynical. But
1: it isn't cynical. It, it's, it's not. There's nothing cynical the about it. The whole
0: enterprise of the movie is cynical. And just because one guy puts some jazz on doesn't make it...
1: No, no, they, 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 they mean it. I mean, that's... that's
0: Do you like, reckon? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't buy it. One man's opinion. Like, when the whole relationship with, like, Tony Stark's kid, I was like, he's definitely going to die in the moment that kid turned up. Might as well be a fucking dog, that kid. And No matter how many scenes you have of them, like, hanging out. You know, it's just like a I thing for him kid, to I, lose. I thought the kid was great. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a cynical, cynical man. What can I say?
1: But I think, yeah, I mean, mean, I'm sure there's some think piece out there, you know, for me to write and sort of desperately defend these movies. But I mean, a lot like a lot of uh, what is behind them is cynical, but I don't think that they are especially cynically made films. I mean, there's a lot of like, um, uh, there's there's, like particular industry requirements. There's things that Disney needs to happen, you know that is like restraining the filmmakers in certain ways but i don't think the filmmakers and the writers are doing it in an especially cynical way i mean i think like if you compare it with like most other franchise superhero movies so like the dc superhero films and stuff which are clearly made by people who don't like give a shit at all yeah um there's there's like a lot more um heart in like genuine heart i think in the marvel films than than in those than in those types of movies like, and and I think if that wasn't true, then it, then people wouldn't like them as much. I think people are connecting with something because they're, they're not just trying to sell you a bill of goods. Like, it's, you know, this the, it's such a weird thing that is almost, that, that shouldn't really work at all. And it's so, it feels like it's so easy to imagine these like mega bust up films that just flopped. I don't think it's entirely a matter of like franchise momentum. Yeah. Otherwise everyone would have done it. And you've seen like other fr- franchises trying to do this and fail. And the connection that it's made with a certain audience, which is pretty enormous, you know, given how much money it's definitely real. Like, so I think they, you know, deserve a little bit more credit for sincerity. What I
0: mean by it is like, uh, how do I put this in a like, you know, it's not a sort of Peggy and uh, uh, Captain America. It's not a particularly well mapped out love story, and them sundering he had to like had to go into the ice because they need to make another movie and they have to get back together because the movie's now over it just felt like a very sort of perfunctory thing and i, I find it irritating when uh maybe i'm just reacting to the reaction to the movie which is not really bad <laughs> but when people cite these moments it's like i think they're in the minority i think generally it's just quite a sort of it's just a machine and i don't know it's just like just didn't I find it a bit kind of hallmark, a bit sort of like it's kinda of manufactured. That film crit Hulk thing about assumed uh empathy or whatever, I think is very true. It kinda of like they the the relationships make sense like on paper, but I often don't feel it personally. But obviously one point yeah, two I, billion.
1: No, no, do, but, but, but I like. I think I think that's I think that's really um you know, there's there's truth to that but i think it's the difference between uh something that's been like manufactured in a cynical way and something that's been done in a sincere way but it's just not necessarily been that well executed right okay like i think it's definitely true that there's loads of on paper relationships in the marvel films that you don't that don't really hit you properly yeah but i do think that they are sincerely executed films like to an extent <laughs> like because they because they do have all of these kind of franchise driven uh restrictions and requirements um but you know people have real empathy for them like and not just like sure, diehard yeah, yeah. nerds you know and like it might be true that this will go the way of avatar and people will look back on it and like no one actually give a shit because you know they're only able to sell themselves in the moment or whatever but i mean i you know i don't i definitely don't think they're like the greatest films ever or anything no, 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 but, no it, but they me. but they i think they do they do have this kind of um uh open-heartedness which i i personally buy and i'm you know, and I'm I'm a I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for it.
0: I'm a cynic, but I'm very annoyed by the cynicism of the movie. <laughs> as an optimist, I am <laughs> I'm totally joking. disappointed. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I think I think I think both elements exist, basically. Like I think I think your complaints are not groundless. Like I think that both elements are kind of intermingled yeah, yeah. in the same thing and that ultimately it's it's you know, you could almost say that it's a bit like um you know the most effective lie is one that has a grain of truth within it or something <laughs> and it's like the most the easiest to sell product is the one that has a bit of sincerity inside it or like yeah. you know the carousel scene in Mad Men where he's like yeah. you know using his genuine nostalgia and love for his wife to just sell some kodak products maybe there's an element of that going on with the disney movies you know where they like they get in people who like really believe this stuff and really try to sell it to you sincerely and do a pretty good job but like ultimately this is obviously driven by the bottom line and the merchandising and you know, yeah. all, and and all that kind of thing, but you know, some somewhere in there is um, uh, is like a story about people who are treated, you know, with sort of with a lot of psychological care, and actors who are putting in real performances. I think Danny Junior is great in this movie, and he's actually like for a guy who's done nine of these fucking films now, <laughs> he's really I think he really turns in like good performances every time. I really enjoy all of his like, uh, constant. You know, he's one of these actors who loves to like pick things up and put things down. He's always doing that. A lot of uh, stuff. Always putting things in his mouth. Clearly stuck on the oral stage. Um, and all his like little scenes with his daughter, even if they were very functional in terms of what they were trying to do with the movie, I found absolutely adorable. I thought that kid's little performance was was great. I love that little girl.
0: I did find it amusing how like, at the end it was like a sort of wake for Robert Downey Jr. He's like, oh, Robert Downey Jr., what a guy. <laughs> I'm not, Was that insistent on his contract? It's yeah. It's like, if I die, everyone has to turn up I need to cry about me. One. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Time for a break from all the film chat. Have a cup of tea, maybe make a quick snack, and telephone a friend so you know where she's at. Right, that's enough. Now back to film chat. Okay, listeners, that's all we have time for this week. Just before we go, I wanted to share something with you. I don't know if you've ever seen on YouTube uh, reaction videos, that particular genre. You know, when people uh, watch trailers and uh, they film themselves, they do it so so you can see how they reacted. Or they just come out of movies. A lot of people will see the latest Marvel film, they get very emotional about it, and then they immediately record uh, how they felt. So um, it was a very emotional experience for me seeing Avengers Endgame, of course. Powerful film, full of uh, dramatic moments. And I came out of there. My medium is, of course, audio, the podcast medium. And I just felt like I had to lay down a track to uh, express myself. And I'm also a musical person. So I fired up all of my musical gizmos and gadgets, tears streaming down my face, and uh, recorded something. So you can enjoy that now. It is spoiler heavy for Avengers Endgame, of course. I'm discussing the plot of the film, but at least one aspect of it. And uh, so only listen if you've seen the film or you don't care about what happens in it. Other than that, that's all we have. See you next time. Bye-bye. forget this evening all the faces at the screening we
0: could not believe that Iron Man got killed cause he was here with us but
1: only for nine films just
0: nine films
1: I think it was nine I haven't checked it
0: no I can't
1: tomorrow when I read the tweets and blog posts we will not accept that he had to die and now his contract has.
0: Thing is without time and I can't live without only song